Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to the AnimeBooey.org Anime Fan Recommendation Podcast, your monthly port of call for anime reviews and recommendations that maybe aren't on your radar, but most definitely should be. I'm your host, First Mate Slidekick, and with me, as always, is Captain Spike. Konbanwa! Today is February 19th, 2017, and this is Anime Buoy Podcast, Episode 19, The Vision of Escaflone. Welcome again, our lovely and beautiful listeners, to another episode of the AnimeBooey.org Anime Fan Recommendation Podcast. AnimeBooey.org Anime Fan Recommendation Podcast. Podcast. This week we're talking about a show that we've been so eager to talk about. It's one of our all-time favorites, and that is The Vision of Escaflone. You know, it just had a great Blu-ray release at the end of last year. Uh, we feel it's a bit of an underappreciated gem, even though, you know, it's so iconic in many ways. Uh, so we've been really eager to talk about this. It's one of the reasons we started Anime Bowie, honestly. And with that, let's buckle in and get this party started. All right. So the main premise of the sh- series is really interesting because it starts out with a high school girl named Hitomi Kenzaki who's just uh, trying to impress her senpai on the track team but then magically a boy named Von Fennell appears from the planet Gaia and they're fighting a dragon on the uh, high school track so basically um, in a in she somehow gets involved in this battle and has a mysterious pendant that she wears that transports herself and Van Fennell to the planet of Gaia, and there's a war that is being led by the Zybok Empire, which is just kind of this dictatorship in a big flying airship. And so, basically, Hitomi, who somehow has magical powers of divination, and it's just how it happens that she also has her tarot cards that she had from Earth, uh, basically, she ends up kind of pairing with Van Fennell and Alan Shazar, who is a knight from one of the other kingdoms as Van Fennell powers the mystical mech Escaflone. So there's all sorts of things going on there, but at its heart, it is a mecha series, and so it should be no surprise that it comes from Sunrise. <laughs> so, you know, Sunrise is a subsidiary of Bandai Namco, you know, so uh, ben- Bandai Namco and Sunrise are two names that, if you're at all familiar with mech, you probably have heard of them a lot. I mean, Gundam, just to say, one thing, but I mean, I you could literally name dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of mecha series that Sunrise has been involved in. So you know, and this is this is going back well, to th- obviously. I mean, <laughs> so much. Yeah, I mean, so much that like listing listing everything would just be a very poor use of time. But I mean, just well, you and know- you know, here's the thing. And you talk about like mecha anime, but it's like obviously they were involved with stuff like Ronin Warriors. They were involved with like, Cowboy Bebop. Obviously, yeah. Gundam is a huge one. Code Geese was gigantic for them. Even stuff sort of left of center, like Witch Hunter Robin. Yeah, I mean, so in the 90s, uh, you know, they were they also were involved, involved in, in Big like, O. Inuyasha, Big <laughs> O, uh, currently on, like, Gintama, Kerororo Ganso, uh, Kekaishi. I mean, so much. Sunrise has been active for 44 yeah, years I mean, it, and have been involved in literally hundreds of anime. I mean, especially a lot of that early Toonami stuff, like, a lot of it with Sunrise. I mean, they're very, very very prominent studio. So, uh, you know, this was, uh, you know... Well, and the, the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, Escaflone, and I feel like this is something that's missed a lot by the North American fandom, Escaflone is itself heavily inspired by an old work of Sunrise's uh, from the early 80s, Aura Battle or Dunbine. Oh, that's interesting. And this is one that I actually um, was very fortunate to get into at one of the anime expos in the 90s. But it's very similar in terms of the sort of the concept of, like, 
like um, robot armor that it, you know, it's a fantasy setting, magic and all that. But like uh, there are these armor fighting suits that that the characters can wear that are called um, like aura battlers that are powered by the like life energy and lifeblood within their pilots. It's very much like a symbiotic relationship similar to what Von Funnel shares with the Escaflone itself. That's really cool. I'm, I will have to look into that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very cool if you're into the idea of like a fantasy like mecha steampunk series uh, yeah, very similar to what Escaflone is yeah definitely so the producer of Escaflone was Masahiko Minami-san uh, involved in a lot of stuff that you've heard of uh, Full Metal Alchemist a huge one uh, Razafon did some planning on Soul Eater Cowboy Bebop Cowboy Darker Bebop, Than Black Angelic Space Lair Dandy, uh, Wolf's Reign which is one that a lot of people don't think of a lot but Yoko Kano-san also was involved in that as well uh, did some work with Mob Psycho 100 so still active to this day um, Space Dandy yeah um, but you know definitely having his hand in some very very classic works of the 90s the director was Kazuki Akane-san and also a very wide range of stuff uh, Ronin Warriors Gaiden OAV um, a lot of Mobile Suit Gundam stuff Code- obviously some storyboarding yeah. work on Cowboy Bebop did some work on the Code Geese OVA Akito the Exile some Birdie the Mighty stuff Samurai Champloo so uh, you know just kind of uh, here and there and maybe not quite as uh, quite here and as, there and not quite everywhere and not quite everywhere but who has been everywhere <laughs> it seems is the uh, you know story and concept was by Shoji Kawamori-san and I mean Kawamori-san is a legend um, so I mean just think Macross but you know also doing a lot of other things too um, but I mean Macross <laughs> Macross but you know also you know Kawamori-san is really well known for his mecha designs obviously so uh, you know doing mecha design for things including Ghost in the Shell obviously all the Macross obviously like Escaflone which we're talking about uh, did an episode of Cowboy Bebop script interestingly the mecha design mechanical design for Blue Sub number 6 which speaking of <laughs> speaking of those Toonami classics Adult Swim uh, are you still talking about Kawamori-san? <laughs> well we, we could talk about Kawamori-san all day well that's exactly my point actually and the same goes the same goes for Yoko Kano I mean she is wait I was gonna say it seems inappropriate to talk for us to have a conversation about Shoji Kawamori without bringing up the fact that he did all of the mecha design for the Techromancer fighting game and all of the mecha design for the Armored Core series out of From Software before they became known for Dark Souls and those those are uh, Bandai Namco published correct well Techromancer was published by Capcom and And Armored Core was published. It might have been published by Namco Bandai in Japan. It was not in North America. I guess I just uh, associate him with Bando Namkai. Bando Namkai Bando. There we go. Well, in Japan, um, from self-published it in uh, North America and Europe, it has been published by a lot of different entities, um, including Crave Entertainment, Ubisoft, Age Tech, etc., etc. Anyway, I just had to call it out because Armored Core is one of those things that, like, I really like, and I get very few opportunities to discuss it. Fair enough. Um, so uh, the music was done by Yoko Kano. Uh, she is a legend. Uh, she, she, of course, did the, the music in Macross Plus, Macross 7, Macross Frontier. Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Cowboy Bebop. Space Dandy. You know, she works really closely. Uh, she did um, Kids on the Slope. So, you know, she likes to work with the same people a lot of the time. And uh, fittingly, a lot of the 
time she works with Maya Sakamoto-san, who is, has been nobody cares, who, who got really got her start as the voice of Hitomi Kanzaki, but uh, you know has gone on to do so much work, including things for like uh, she was she's Aerith in Kingdom Hearts and Advent Children. Um, she's she's been in literally hundreds of things, and she owes her career to this and um, her musical career. Um, she often partners with Yoko Kano-san. I also really quickly just want to mention a few other uh, notable voice actors because, like, some of these people are legends that you're like, oh, wow, you know, like, you'll recognize them. So Van Fennell was voiced by Tomokazu Seki-san, who has been in, like, everything. He was uh, Toya in Cardcaptor, Sakura. He obviously Chichiri, Chichiri in uh, um, Fushigi Yugi, which is, I know, one of your favorites. You, you were going to say some? Well, like, he was Nobu in Nana, which obviously was a big one. He was uh, Shuichi in Gravitation. You talk about shows that literally no one has ever seen. Um, he was Toji Suzuhara-san in Evangelion. Rob Lucci in One Piece. And uh, Kanji Tatsumi in Persona 4. I mean, the list goes on and on. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is actually like kind of ridiculous. <laughs> he voiced Whisper in the Yokai Watch TV series. Um, I mean, this is literally one of the the most well-known voice actors that you could possibly think of. Yeah, so in I the mean, uh, unofficial Sentai series Akiba Ranger, which is a Super Sentai oh, wow. parody series that that is officially created by the by, despite what it says in the name. Um, he did voice acting for a series of alpaca plushies. Um, it just yeah, just a alpaca really plushies. just a really phenomenal, really phenomenal voice actor. Very wow. very well known for decades of work continues to do work for you know live action sentai type stuff for um various video games it's just a real class act and uh yeah yeah um merle who is a cat girl um was voiced by ikue utani san uh oh she's, data she, from rockman dash or you know just a little known role of pikachu and pokemon who like literally one of the most famous oh you mean voices. vivi from kingdom hearts 2 <laughs> well also tony tony chopper from one piece so you know <laughs> She she does a lot. Oh, you mean Pikachu? Pikachu, yeah. I mean, I mean, you'll if, if you have not seen Escaflone and you watch it subbed, and you will recognize right away. You're like, that is Pikachu's voice. But I mean, she does she does it so well because uh, Mer Merlu is such a kind of bratty character, and she does just gives so much uh, personality in there. And then Alan Shazara's um, voice actor is she Shinichiro Miki San. Miki San, thank you. And again, just so many voices. You mean the Japanese voice actor for Aladdin? <laughs> was he really? Yeah. Wow, I want to hear that. But um, you know, he is actually also Akira Yuki from Virtua Fighter. He's Kojiro James from Pokemon. So you know, that's one of his um, you know, very huge Edgar cool. Figaro from the World of Final Fantasy. Wait, like Edgar Edgar? Yeah. Ooh, hey. <laughs> I knew you'd be into that one. Yeah, I love I'll Edgar. stop trolling you. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like I said, I usually would not spend time talking about um. Yes, you would, girl. That's a lie. That I mean, but that being said, you know, these are some voice acting icons in anime, and you've likely heard them in other places. But I, I want to move on because there's actually a very interesting production history for Escaflone. Uh, so the series originally ran on TV Tokyo from April 2nd, 1996 
to September 24th, 1996. So, you know, just recently celebrated its 20th anniversary. And so the original idea came from Shoji Kawamori's vacation to Nepal. And, he, you know, he was kind of seeing the foggy mountains and imagined this kind of epic story about divination and the idea of fate being twisted. And so he pitched the series to Bandai Visual and Sunrise with the premise, if Matt Cross was robotic mecha and love songs, why not a story about robotic mecha and divining powers? Which really kind of uh, <laughs> sums it up. So, um, you know, he ended up working with Bandai and they kind of fleshed out the ideas and, um, you know, like some interesting things kind of happened during the development where the characters of Falcon and Delando were originally one character to begin with, but they, they ended up separating them into two, which, I mean, was a brilliant move. I mean, those are both such dynamic characters in the series. The series was originally meant to be 39 episodes, but um, they ended up having to cut it to 26, which really means there was so much story packed into every episode, and that's one thing that a lot of people positively, you know, comment on is that, you know, there's just always something happening. There's It does not feel like there's any filler at all. Um, the original director was Yasuhiro Imagawa-san, um, but there were kind of some um, some problems that came up. He ended up going to direct uh, G Gundam, and so then yes, that's when G Gundam Akane-san was brought in. And so, uh, but uh, Imagawa-san was the one who actually coined the word Escaflone, which is a related to the Latin word of escalation, and that's of course the name of the mech. So uh, when Akane-san was brought on board, that kind of um, is where more of the shoujo elements came in. And so you know, originally it was going to be a very shonen series, which is funny because that's what what you know Fox Kids tried to make it. But um, you know, when Akane-san came in, there were a lot of these more like bishonen characters, like Alan Jazar's design, um, and kind of refocusing Hitomi to being you know kind of this um, more spunkier athletic girl instead of uh, you know kind of a ditzy airhead, which is what her original design was. So you know, I, I would say Akane-san's influence was really really um, essential in shaping what made Escaflone special. And um, so I, I just I think it's really interesting that you know like I said that it was originally meant to be 39 episodes and that's uh, they basically like that I can only imagine like um, the feat of writing and you know drafting and everything that must have it must have taken to really um, make it work because it worked so well and they actually had to cut some animation which is uh, later restored in the Japanese video release and now in the Blu-ray release uh, before we get into our you know conversation about Escaflone and kind of our personal relationship with it do you have anything that you'd like to comment on as far as the production history I mean not so much I I do know that in more recent interviews um, some of the creative staff have actually sort of talked back the 39 episode theory um, claiming that it was only ever meant to be 26 or whatever um, so I think it's really interesting because it's it, it has always been presented as like oh it was supposed to be 39 right I remember hearing that in the 90s well yeah yeah but now they're basically saying that by the time funding was secured it had already been cut down to 26 um, because you know Funimation has been doing for their landmark re-release of this show on Blu-ray they did a, a very extensive series of new um, interviews with yeah. the creative staff and so we, we actually have like a lot more uh, or at least a lot different information um, on the scope of the series than we than we used to have which has been really nice you know and that's a phenomenal release by the way um, the video quality audio quality is just stunning yeah definitely the best uh, you can get it no absolutely so I'd like to move on to a discussion of our personal relationship 
relationship with Escalfone and it's kind of our experience and the way we connect with it. Um, I want to start with asking you, Captain Spike, how did you get into Escalfone and kind of like how did you originally view it and what drew you to it initially? So the thing with Escalfone that needs to be understood is that going back to even like the the, the 90s, well, even to the 90s, but this is when I saw it. Um, in the 90s, I was really into Macross and I was really into Gundam. And a lot of people, at least in the American fandoms, were not into both. You were either into the, the real robots or the super robots. If you're not familiar with the concept, of course, real robots are more like Gundams from like the Universal Century series um, where things are typically rooted and grounded in like real world physics and concepts. And the super robots are more like the, the transforming robots, the ones that are, you know, jumping into hyperspeed and crossing galaxies in seconds. Right. Why can't we have so, both? So um, it was really interesting that, you know, Escaflone came into the picture and, you know, I, I liked both Macross and I liked Gundam. I was familiar with the names of some of these creatives, uh, Shoji Kawamori-san in particular. So when I found out that, you know, Kawamori-san had a big hand behind the creative direction of this series and the mechanical designs and everything, I was immediately very interested. So it became something that, you know, at the time a lot, it was very common. We wouldn't get shows officially released here for years after they aired. So I had only heard of Escaflone in like anime clubs and on online bulletin board mm. services because, you know, it wasn't just like going onto the web. Um, and I immediately started putting my feelers out with all my fan subconnected friends like, hey, I really want to get at this show Escaflone. Have you heard about it? Uh, you know, it's a new mecha show because at the time I didn't really know. I, I thought it was just like mecha that fight with swords by Shoji Kawamori. And that was enough for me. Um, so when I finally did see it, what really drew me into it was, you know, that it very much felt like, especially back then when there was more of a, a more explicit schism between shoujo and shonen mangas, um, this series that really took what I felt was like the best of both worlds, having like the real tense action sequences and people talking deeply about their feelings on, you know, war and combat and honor and, you know, respectable fighting and, and all that. And also having, you know, the emotional core that I was more used to from the shoujo type series, uh, you know, where, you know, how characters interact is something that actually impacts them. And, you know, they have conversations about their feelings and they, they have feelings rather than just making a <laughs> making a hot blooded declaration. And that's my, the entire scope of my character. <laughs> the hot blooded orphans. So, well, hot blooded is like a whole character <laughs> archetype in, in Japanese media. So <laughs> hot blooded orphans is a reference to that. <laughs> I know. I just I can't resist. So uh, either way, though, you know, I really got into Escaflone because of Shoji Kawamori. And then upon seeing it, because it was the real balance and some of everything I was interested in, but at the time was very infrequently presented together. Excellent. And so uh, was it was it fan subs that you were able to get a hold of? Oh, absolutely. Excellent. Um, my experience is a little different. I had heard about it, you know, just in the earlier days of the, I say early days of the internet, but you know, the early days when more and more people were starting to access the internet. So late 90s. Um, and, you know, so I, I would, had been familiar with it, you know, and I had not um, been as familiar with Kyle Morrison, but, you know, I obviously was familiar with uh, Evangelion at that point and Gundam. And so I was like, oh, you know, giant robots. Okay, cool. Uh, so I had heard about it. I saw at KB Toys, which I don't even think they're a thing anymore, are they? Um, nope. They had in the budget bin the Fox Kids um, bo totally butchered uh, dub of it, which, you know, it's, it's a very poor dub. It's very choppy, but there were enough things that I liked about that first set of episodes that I'm like, okay, I recognize that the source material that it's coming from has got to be really good. So I saved up, um, you know, mode 
moms did that sort of thing. Got a like $170 set of VHS from Anime Village, which was uh, the Bandai um, distribution house, right? And so I got a set of subbed VHS, devoured it, fell completely in love with the music and just, you know, the blend of sci-fi and fantasy, which, you know, I love both of those genres separately. So when they come together, it's just like, you know, that was it. And it's been an all-time favorite ever since. Uh, I just want to kind of briefly know, what are some of your favorite characters? What do you like about them? And, you know, doesn't that, not necessarily like, you know, the heroes, you know, like could be a villain or whatever, but like, what, what are some of your favorite characters and what really draws you to them? Well, so that's a really tricky question with regard to Escaflone because I kind of like all of the characters in other ways other right. than Dornkirk, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, you know, we typically don't go into spoilers here, so I'm not yeah. going to talk about that. So the but... deep lore of Escaflone gets crazy. That's all we're going to say. Yeah, the deep lore of Escaflone gets crazy. That is an it's, accurate statement. It's so good, though. Yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic series, though. Um, If I had to pick, it's tough. I might actually pick Von Fonnell largely because where he starts the series and where he ends the series are very different. Uh-huh. And I really like when we get to see characters grow and change throughout a series. He like, actually... For me, that development is like, that's the meat you chew on. And then all of like the cool robots and all of the cool story gimmicks, that's all like the seasoning on that meat. Like for me, if that meat isn't there, it's really hard for me to get too much out of a long form mm-hmm. series like this. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, kind of the only pick can be Von Funnel um, with uh, Delando being sort of a, a second and Falcon being a third. Like oh, if I yeah. were ranking that, I guess that's my I mean, ranks. And Delando and Falcon are such complex characters. Well, and that's exactly, you know, because the, both of them are villains, but both of them, you sort of realize- they're sympathetic, it's, really. Well, well, and I'm actually going to go a step further. It's not even that they're necessarily sympathetic. It's that the story is being told to us from the uh, the opposing side. Um, Delando in particular, it's hard to view Delando as a villain once you know his whole story. Yeah. And that's even true of Falcon, who, you know, Falcon made his mistakes in his life or whatever, but they're all really relatable mistakes that I think a lot of us, obviously on a lesser scale, can relate to having made. So mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely something I really like about these characters is that they're, Dorn Kirk aside, they're not mustache-twirling caricatures of evil. They're right. characters with motivations that really make sense. And, like, Vulcan, I think, always appealed to me in a similar way. Because he's sexy as fuck? Well, I mean, yes. He, and he's kind of got, like, a, almost like, he always kind of reminded me a bit of a David Bowie sort of Oh, absolutely. Vibe. Heck. But, um, you know, if, if this feels like the very obvious connection to make, but the way that so many people like Sephiroth and, like, you know, really empathize with Sephiroth. And I, I would say to, another, like, to a lesser degree, a lot of the other, you know, Final Fantasy villains, but, you know, I think Sephiroth it really stands out for a lot of people because, you know, he's got this kind of sad backstory and, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a black and white hero and villain thing. And like, like I like what you said about Van Fennell as well, because, you know, in some ways he's kind of unlikable at the beginning, but, uh, you know, with Hitomi's presence, he really, you know, learns how to, you know, become a more caring person. And, you know, by the time the series ends, you know, he's really ready to be the leader that he needs to be. And like, yeah, I mean, Meru, Meryl is just usually that type of character kind of grates on me in anime, but I always really liked her. And then Alan Shazar is a pretty boy and kind of arrogant, but without being, you know, like leaving a bad taste in your mouth. So like the characterization is just so great. And I completely agree with you. 
Um, this isn't a question I would ask with every single anime, but given that Yoko Kano had such a huge role in, you know, giving this series the flavor that it has, uh, do you have any musical pieces that are your favorite from the show, whether that's, uh, you know, you know opening is... ending credits or like, you know, during the, the episodes itself? I have two answers for purposes of this just being a fun and easy to listen to episode. I'm just going to say the closing song is my mystic eyes is my very favorite closing song from any anime ever like easily uh, the other answer to this unfortunately is that it's 2017 if you had asked me that question in 1997 I could have told you tracks by name of like incidental s- score songs well I, I always and that's not something I could do with most series ever <laughs> there was a time I could do that with Escaflone and that should speak very highly of Escaflone yeah well I mean I seem to always think of you with the Escaflone oh dude I, refer- I still reference that almost every week and that's the thing that's so great as that that's kind of in the style of like a Gregorian chant but then there's also some really cute like kind of more pop music things that um a lot of them if you're if you like the music of Escaflone um you should look into Maya Sakamoto's debut album Grapefruit because a lot of the vocal tracks that she does in Escaflone are on that as well but I mean of course you could also get grab a soundtrack uh yeah I mean just there's it's such a great blend of you know more kind of classical sort of stuff and pop stuff. I have to say my favorite one is uh, Empty the Pocket or Pocoto wo, um, sorry, Pocoto o Karanishite. It's the one that kind of has like the uh, like mandolins and kind of like a little folksy and uh, I just, I, it's just that music in that show like it makes me so nostalgic. Like it's, you know, Yoko Kano is amazing, but her, this is like some of her best work ever. Um, without spoiling anything, do you have any particular episodes or or arcs or whatever that are the most memorable for you? Um, You know, one of the single most memorable scenes of this or any anime for me are the first time the Escaflone transforms. Oh, yeah. That is that is so good. I don't want to say any more. I don't want to... Just every single reveal in this show, and there are quite a few twists in the show, everyone back in the day had me screaming, but none more than that one. Yeah. Um, I really love the last couple set of episodes because I mean it really ramps up and like you start finding out like the ways that various characters are connected to each other that you're just like what it's it's something else like so it's really hard for me a lot of times I'm like oh this particular episode stands out to me but because the story flows so well and it's like you know it just keeps you engaged the entire time in in my opinion um, like I mean it's just it's hard for me to pinpoint one particular moment but you know I would say at the end where there starts to be certain character reveals um, I, I know what you're talking about yeah I want to wrap up here asking how you feel this anime uh, relates to others in its various genres and you know in this case you could say it's part of like the supernatural genre the romance genre the mecha adventure genre and like you know so I have been trying to categorize Escaflone for 20 years I still mostly can't I just end up talking about what I love about it because it's a fantasy series it's a mecha series it's a, it's a shonen series it's a shoujo series and then on that note it's like, steampunk it's it's modern day it's it's everything all rolled into one uh, it's a bitch mm-hmm. it's a lover it's a fighter it's a mother a sinner it's a saint you do not feel ashamed um are there any ways where it defies i mean i guess by by being like so many things at once it kind of does defy the tropes of these genres but are there any tropes of the genres that uh you know are notable to 
to you that, uh, well, I mean, no, but with the caveat that I think a lot of the modern day anime genre tropes, as far as like, uh, romance tropes and, and mecha supernatural tropes, I actually think a lot of them started here. Like, I, I think they're that watching Escaflone in 2017, you actually are seeing where a lot of these more common storytelling devices in modern anime, where they really got their start, where they took root. Yeah, I mean, it really has a mature emotional core, which not every anime had back then. And, you know, you see a lot more of, the, you know, that influence these days, definitely. And on a similar note to wrap it up, I know you did mention um, the Aura Battler Dunbine as a similar anime, but is there anything else that, whether it's really similar or not, or just, you know, that you think fans, uh, if someone liked a certain anime that they'd like Escaflone, or if they like Escaflone, what they might want to check out? Well, if you like Escaflone, yeah, I would highly recommend you check out Aura Battle or Dunbine. Like, that's the easy one. As for, like, going in the opposite direction, like, how do you know if you would like Escaflone? That's that's tough. Um, Do you like pretty boys fighting with swords? Check out Escaflone. Do you like giant robots fighting with swords? Check out Escaflone. Do you like magical mysteries of high school modern day girls being sent to mysterious lands and having to cope among extremely beautiful backdrops and cities full of amazing casts of characters and you know fictional races that are just a delight to behold in how well thought out they are and and the real depth of of each of these individual cultures lores and and complexities with regards to their social interactions check out escaflone it's it's just it's a fantastic series it has aged beautifully well uh female characters get to be strong male characters get to cry uh there will be blood there is death there is darkness there is adorable lightness uh truly escaflone is is that rare example of a show that tries to cater to everyone and, and pretty succeeds. much succeeds yeah i mean in a lot of cases i could be like oh if you liked this anime you'd probably really like this but escaflone is so unique like i mean that you could definitely see its influence on things to this day but that nobody's really quite done anything quite like it um i mean i, I guess i would say you know if you like macross plus you know if you if you like the work of kawamori and yoko kano and you, these you know these creative talent that you're familiar with uh you know you should definitely check it out but uh it really it really is something special i i would have to say it's honestly my favorite anime of all time i don't, I don't know how you rank it captain spike but uh i know it's very near and dear to your heart as well yeah i i would definitely call it a top five for me yeah it's, i mean it's just it's, it's, it's just i it's hard for me to find any flaws in it really yeah all right uh you want to uh wrap this up yeah so uh we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the supplemental materials there were three mangas or sorry three manga um one series there series. are three different series is the important thing to say here because when you say three manga people think you mean like three different volumes but these were actually three different series. right right so the first one was released um starting in 1994 when they only just kind of were starting to develop it so it was very more shonen based it was actually published in shonen ace and uh was you know using the curvy hitomi and basically is very violent i haven't really read it because i you know i knew that it was different and i didn't really have an interest in the, hearing the alternate uh version um in 1996 there was messiah knight the vision of escaflone which was a more shoujo version it was in asuka fantasy dx and was you know a lot more about the characters to the point where apparently escaflone the mecha is only at the end of the series and <laughs> got canceled and then there was another 
manga series, which was Escaflone Energist's Memories, which was a um, collective of mini stories, and it was also in the um, Asuka Fantasy DX imprint. So uh, that one I'm not really familiar with. There is also the um, Escaflone movie, which is animated by Studio Bones. You know, so it's very beautiful. Uh, very different though. You know, Hitomi is like kind of depressive instead of like you know you know very kind of a uh, hot-blooded and you know trying to like rally people together uh so it's, it's very interesting as a companion piece but i mean for me it does not nearly touch what the series does but it's still you know a solid film you know just to condense that down to 100 minutes uh you know there's gonna have to be some sacrifices so well and you know i also want to point out because i don't see it here in your notes there was also a playstation one escafone game oh um it wasn't a particularly good game but something that was really notable is that uh sunrise bones etc all of the people involved in the creation of the animated series they all worked to make new animated sequences for the game um that w- included some like uh story changes based on like oh, branching wow. pathways and you know it was all pretty minor because it was playstation one era it would turn out to be like 15 second clips but it is still an interesting footnote as far as alternate reinterpretations of the escafone story yeah and the thing that's uh really interesting is that escafone and its time was not really popular and really it's because of kind of the you know uh success out in the rest of the world that you know it continues to get a lot of love and even then i would say it's still a series that a lot of people even our age who grew up with you know some of these more classic anime uh still have kind of missed out on so i mean fortunately where you can watch it is funimation has new blu-rays i assume it's on funimation now it it is if you want to watch it dubbed but that being said a dub is a dub um I, I, I mean, in the Japanese voice cast is just, you know, iconic, brilliant performances. So uh, with that, do you have any final thought about Escaflone before we wrap this up? Um, Just that, you know, if you're interested in Escaflone, give it a chance, but don't watch just the first episode. Um, the first episode within the scope of the whole series is good and important, but all of like the really cool scope of the show isn't immediately obvious. So just go in a- expecting to give it a couple of episodes. I do not believe you will be let down. Excellent. Yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. And I just, I get lost in it every time in the best sort of way. All right, with that, we have some social links. So we're going to start out with our question of the week. We said this month we discussed the vision of Escafloni, which celebrated its 20th anniversary last year. Have you seen this fantasy mech gem? Edward Wong 4, a.k.a. David, says, Loved Escafloni, one of the first anime I watched in college with the anime club. That's awesome. I love that you were in anime club. I love that you love Escafloni. We love you. I also want to catch up on some other tweets we have california wolf hitting us up saying <clears throat> you should hit up scum's wish would love to hear your take on the show that's probably the most mature this season wb winky emoticon yeah i've heard uh scum's wish is pretty good you know definitely looking forward to uh you know seeing some other anime you know we've kind of focused in on a, a couple of this season but definitely always looking for more speaking of which edward Wan for saying based on animebuoy.org's recommendation i watched the first five episodes of fuka and i'm so glad i did biggest grin on my face the whole time I'm somehow not surprised that uh, that he's into that because, you know, he was on our Fully Cooly episode and there's some things that kind of remind me of Fully Cooly, just not with the robots and guitars coming out of heads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have a very cute tweet from Emiru69 saying, I bounce around the farm while singing King JJ while I feed Miss Piggy and Mama Goat. Hugs to AnimeBooey.org and Sequence Pod, which is a uh, transformation sequence, a anime, another anime podcast that I've found out too thanks to Miru so 
uh, we love your animals and we're glad that you love Yuri on Ice the same way we do. Um, I guess with that, um, what you've been watching lately? So, um, Dragon Ball Super remains something I watch every week. Um, other than that, I'm just trying to keep up on the shows that we were discussing in our uh, current season anime preview and, you know, uh, still enjoying the shows that we spoke positively of then, so feeling pretty good about our snap judgments. Yeah, same what here. About, what about you? Same here. Really uh, excited about the new arc of Dragon Ball Super. Uh, just looking like it's going to be a lot of fun and, you know, of course, being Dragon Ball, there's a lot at stake and, you know, but it's going to probably all end up being silly and cute at the end because it's Dragon Ball Super and I just, I can't, I still can't believe that we've got a Dragon Ball series today that's uh, so good. Uh, with that, we love your feedback. We love your subscriptions, ratings, and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. We like your Facebook likes, and we effing love Twitter. We effing love Twitter. You can mail us at mailbuoy at animebuoy.org. Mailbuoy at animebuoy.org. And of course, our home base is animebuoy.org. Animebuoy.org. Captain Spike, do you have a few shout-outs for us? Yeah, you should check out Pod Yukins. CCCP comics cosplay and cons podcast focusing on the three favorite non-video game nerd pastimes of at Edward Wong four and his co-hosts. Yeah, you should also check out gamebuoy.org where Slykick and I talk about left of center news and views that maybe aren't on your radar, but most definitely should be within the game world. And if you're interested in the kind of stuff we talk about on this show, you'll probably be interested in the kind of stuff that Shane Lenko and I talk about on the Ranger Pride cast, where we talk about the current season season of the Power Rangers meta series as well as the current season of the Super Sentai meta series upon which it's based out of Japan. Slaggy, what about you? Yes, uh, thanks to Amiru69, I'd like to shout out to Transformation Sequence, the podcast where a panel of nerds get to talk about anime without fear of random bullies, uh, let's say, appearing out of stealth and burning down your kingdom. They have a cute uh, feature where on each episode their catchphrase is a variant on that phrase. Uh, Like I said, I just discovered them thanks to Amiru69 and uh, they do a great episode uh, overviews of lots of animes they're uh, like 101 recently did Yuri on Ice uh, just a really fun podcast so if you're listening out there Transformation Sequence uh, we love what you're doing over there I'd also like to shout out to Reading is Fundamental the podcast where myself Spike Rob Robert from Orange Lounge Radio and Delvin from VG Realness talk about the current running season of RuPaul's Drag Race so we're looking forward to starting that up when we finally get a um, season 9 announcement date and I'd like to wrap up with the same type of attack bonus podcast, or Stabcast for short. Your twice-monthly look into the deeper roles of Pokemon that we do with Trainer Sulker over on Stabcast.org. With that, uh, we thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us be very passionate about a show that has a lot of meaning to us. We hope you've enjoyed listening, and we'll be back next month with one of Captain Spike's all-time favorites, Key the Metal Idol, which is getting a new release, I believe. Yes! So until then, keep watching. Keep watching. Keep thinking. Keep thinking and escaflone I was gonna do that escaflone you literally can't let someone else have the mic on their own for five seconds can you I'm the Jenna Maroney of the show keep telling yourself that
mics are hot. Hot mics, hot mics. Get your hot mics here. It's those things that they yeah. spin around. No. Wee, 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 wee. Ready? 